Yeah, I, I'm Jackson. I have zero experience with carpentry. I studied at a school for historic preservation in Boston and learned about how things were built, you know, 250 years ago. There's a long way to go. I'm nowhere near the top. Not that I thought I was, but there's so much more to do out there. Welcome back to the Passion for Craft podcast. This week, uh, we have a very special guest that we're interviewing um, on the podcast that Richard and I host. Uh, Richard, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, yeah. Um, Brent Hole's with us today, believe it or not. Yeah, we really lucked out to get him in person. <laughs> I, I've heard you've, you've met him before. Once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. In passing. Y'all go though. way back, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I met when I was young, but... <laughs> This is hilarious. You didn't really remember. <laughs> you guys are, are really funny. I actually don't remember when we met. It's funny. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I have no memory of it. Well, <laughs> well we're glad to have you today, Brent. Thanks yeah, for thanks coming. thanks for coming. Glad to be here. Uh, so today we are going to ask uh, Brent some great interview questions that we've maybe asked some of our other uh, guests that we've had on, some of the other masters that we've gotten to interview thus far. Um, so Brent, as you know, uh, one of the first questions we love to ask, uh, our, our guests, Richard and I, um, is just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got to where you are today. I'm going to need more than that. Richard, what are the questions you need need to be asked? Well, I want to ask you, I wanted to do this episode because I'm curious of your journey. I mean, back in the early 1900s when you started, no, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, seriously, what was it like to ride horses? (laughs) Um, No, just your journey. Like, I mean, when did you first find out you had a passion for craft and like it puts what puts you on this path to be where you are today? Like go back to the earliest memory of like we've had Gary on. We've had Dan on. We've had Eric on. We've had all these guys on. They just kind of walk us through how they got to where they are today. So. All right, Let's start there, it. and then we'll we'll kind of continue on. It's a good question. Um, I remember it is when he asks it. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was at North Bennett Street, and I was looking at a molding, and I said, and I looked at the molding, and it kind of stopped, and I said, "That is so beautiful, right?" That that was the first. If you were going to say when the passion for craft started, that's when it started. When I was at North Bennett Street, do you remember what molding it was? Yeah, it was a little OG molding that was uh, that was kind of the tail end of a or the front end of a of a casing. And so, um, how did you know you wanted to go to North Bennett Street, though? Well, I'll get there. Okay. The uh, North Bennett Street <laughs> is really the you know has this, has made my career. It's what reason, God willing, Jackson when he's done at K Life goes to North Bennett Street. It's just uh, it's just made my career. It it, it changed everything. And so. Um, but the deal is, is that I went to a competitive uh, all-boys school in Dallas called St. Mark's, and I was a uh, middling student. <laughs> I was, uh, my brother was really much smarter than me. He had, he had gotten into that school, and I think they just figured I'd be smart because he was <laughs> smart, and I really wasn't a student. I just didn't, didn't like it, and, 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 you know, I liked art class more. I liked... Um, there was an industrial arts class, a woodworking class. I did that. I didn't love it at the time. I, I think the teacher was too rigid. Like um, That's good to hear. I hate woodworking now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I bought, I, I built a stereo cabinet um, when I was there, I, I, when I was in that industrial arts class. So I know I took those classes with much more interest. I was, um, 
you know, so even early on, I knew I wasn't a student. And when I went to college, I kept trying to go into the business classes because I, you know, I was like, I know I'm probably going to end up in business. Um, but I, I'd go to an economics class and I'm just like, oh my <laughs> gosh, you know, debits and credits and just, you know, wait, which one switch? And, and, and it just, I, I, I literally would go, I was a history and English major. I was a history major for the more, majority of the time, then picked up the English major later. But I'd go back and take an exam. I go, I know I'm getting into business, but I just can't stand these classes. Then I'd leave and go back and take, finish my history degree. And so my whole deal was when we were getting out, I just didn't want to wear a suit. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't want to go to the cubicle. I didn't want to do that. And it was just like, um, that was what, you know, was in my back of my mind. So um, I, uh, my buddy of mine had a uh, handyman business in college, um, Stephen Davis. And we were, we were really working for tools <laughs> um, <laughs> because remember the old Makita nine volt with the long, thin nine volt trigger handle. That was the, the first, ones, the, one of the those first, first drill, right? Yeah. Um, that's what was the goal, right? Yeah. We just want, I, I want my own Makita cordless battery powered drill. And um, because Stephen had one and I wanted one. So we put a ad in the penny saver in the penny saver, thrifty penny or thrifty saver the local thing and this lady had us build a brick wall a little brick planter we ended up uh you know doing a little bit of trim work there's uh the sororities on campus there was a there was a homecoming parade we would build floats for them so we were taking old cars and you know torching the top off the car (laughs) so that we could build a metal frame to it weld a metal frame to it and then drive it through the parade and so they had budgets that were probably I don't know, $5,000 and we were, you know, working for nothing just because we got to weld stuff, right? Yeah. Because we got to, you know, do stuff we'd seen in the movies. And 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 so I, I liked working with my hands. I built a lot of things. Uh, my dad had good tools, amazingly. He, he does, it's ironic because he had good craftsman tools then, but then after I go to North Benistries, he starts buying cheap China tools. And I'm like, <laughs> Anyway, so I liked working That's on. It's funny to hear you say that I he liked, had good tools. It is now it's like grandpa yeah. is the worst. Tool. It's the worst. Um, so I went. I, my buddy and I had that handyman business. I go up to Vermont, uh, where my best man at my wedding was working that summer as a lawyer, um, and I got a job bartending at a bar. And you know, this is this is I'd already graduated, and I was kind of just hanging around up there, and. Uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll just stay here, you know, through the winter and, you know, and just, you know, see what happens. And um, my buddy called and said, hey, would you be interested in starting working in this wholesale nursery? And I was like, wholesale nursery? I don't know anything about plants. He goes, I don't either, but you can build sweat equity into this deal. He'll give you a third ownership if you build in sweat equity. And so I was like, dang, that sounds great. So we moved to Daphne, Alabama, or Fairhope, Alabama, was where the he had bought a nursery there. You were just floating around right now. Floating around, and so he 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 had this wholesale nursery there, and I just said, um, and so we just started working, learned how to build dirt, right? And, you know, how to put lime and calcium in it, and nitrogen, and all these different things. It was, it was cool. I enjoyed it, um, but we but it was a fi- absolute failure of a business. I mean, um, we. 
they had a hula girl hibiscus. I don't know how much you want me to get into this. They had a hula, hula, no, it's great. Keep hula going. girl hibiscus, okay, which was a unique hibiscus that um, we start going around selling to these local businesses, um, talking to them about, hey, we got the hula girl. And, and, and they kind of started turning their nose up to us. And we're like, and we kind of, what's wrong? They go, your hula girl falls apart. We're like, what do you mean it falls apart? And he goes, well, all we can figure is that, you know, we took one out and it's planted in bark. And all we can figure is that your previous owner, all they did was fertilize the heck out of it so that it had all these blooms. It showed up. But two weeks later, all the blooms were gone. And we're like, uh, <laughs> yikes. OK, well, we'll get in. We'll, we'll figure it out. And so the guy who had bought the business, who had been who, who was our you know, planting guy expert, he goes, we're going to do bedding plants. Bedding plants are like, you know, petunias and, you know, uh, the, the, the things you plant in the spring or in spring to for the pretty, pretty flowers. Petunias, violets, you know, all that kind of stuff. Periwinkles. And so we plant, we, we had an acre under uh, where, uh, greenhouse and we planted all this dirt. We ball seed, had all these little, little startings things just rows and rows, acre, an acre of bedding plants laid out. We showed up one morning and a third of them were dead. And we were like, what? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> if only so, we knew what a credit or a debit was. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Business. the Auburn Extension comes out. They're the base of the Texas A&M, the, 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 the agricultural uh, arm in Alabama, yeah. school in Alabama. Um, Auburn comes out and they're like, well, you got a fungus. And, we're, and the guy's like, what's a fungus? <laughs> so in Dallas, we, it's dry enough. We don't have a lot of hot things. And so we don't, he didn't, he never experienced the funguses that we had in Alabama because as much, we were down by the coast. So we're close to the coast. Moisture. Too much moisture. And so that, that is an example of the lessons we were learning that, you know, just, just money was just leaking away. And we were, I was working, you know, Literally, I would get up at like five or six, go out there before the sun came up, wouldn't come home till after the sun came down, eat dinner and go to bed. And it's just, anyway. I we, think every young person needs something like oh, that. Oh, totally. Like it, it makes you appreciate life. Just you know? in, a, in, a, in a crappy, you know, 1970s Ford van, you know, with plants in the back, <laughs> driving down the road, jiggling, and, you know, the, the, the springs and shocks were shot and, you know, pulling up into front of a nursery and going, hey, you got any plants? So and, how did uh, you get out of that mess? Well, it was failing, and so I basically told him, I started teaching, I started, there was a local high school, Daphne High School just started, they had no juniors or seniors, and they needed a soccer coach. And I played soccer at Baylor, and played through high school, and so I volunteered to be a coach, and I loved it. We lost every game, <laughs> and uh, we were 0-18, <laughs> and at the end of the season, they drenched me with a Gatorade bucket, and it would just, you know, I had, 14 kids I just loved and they learned a lot and we just had fun and so I said, awesome. I said to them I said I don't want to do this anymore to the guys who I was partners with um, and I just said I, you know I'm done I'm going to go back and go teaching so I got a teaching job in in Connecticut teaching high school English um, and at a boarding school so newly married your mom and I were you know four days into our marriage and I started this boarding school and then my buddy, who was from New England originally, uh, who had took me up to Vermont, said about, I don't know, it was early in the year, 
he said, you ought to hear about, you ought to, you'd like this school, North Bennett Street, up here in Boston. And so I was in Western Connecticut, about three hours from, from Boston. And he goes, you need to come check it out. And so over Valentine's weekend, we went and it was one of those, the, the heavens parted and <laughs> the angels sang. A light sang. fell down yeah, on the school. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's crazy that it's just a guy said, hey, you, you need to come check this out. Like, you didn't find it on your own or you weren't pursuing it. Like, so the school, the boarding school was a, um, it was a rural boarding school that had had a, like a, a planting thing that had a tr Christmas tree farm they'd had. And so I was literally, I remember working on it. Uh, they had a Dodge truck and I was like, can I fix up that truck, get it working better? You got to change the brakes and do it. Cause I just like working with my hands. And, um, they, they said, yeah, sure. So I was still tinkering around and yeah. doing stuff. And so I go to school I'm just, it's, it's called an education and craftsmanship. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I'd been journaling at the time. I don't want to be a jack of all trades, master of none. And so I didn't want it. I wanted expertise. And so this is like, look, you're kind of come here. You'll be, it's a two-year apprenticeship. You get out, you're a journeyman, and then you're working towards being a master. And so I went to the school. There's a preservation program. I looked briefly at their furniture making program, but I was like, no, nah, I think I want to build, I want to do the preservation. And, um, and so I went to the preservation program and I remember there was some maintenance men at the school that I'd worked at. And I, I asked them about North Bennett street when I got back, cause I'm, I might've been having doubts or I might've been like, I wonder if this is a good idea. And so I say to them, I said, you know, I'm going to this, I'm thinking about going to this school up in Boston for preservation and, you know, learning about woodworking. He goes, oh, you don't need to do that. <laughs> you, you know, you can learn everything you, you need to know here. And I was like. As a maintenance man. <laughs> and I kind of was sitting there going, well, hmm. And just, anyway, I ended up going there. When we finished there, I came, when we came back to Fort Worth. All right. So um, you're in North Bennett Street School. As I understand it, the classes are half days. What'd you do with the rest of your time? So, uh, yeah, the classes start at 7.30 to 3.30. And um, I started buying machinery and set up a shop in my basement mm -hmm. uh, of the house we were renting and started building furniture and uh, just making stuff uh, uh, in the basement. So just I, basic machinery, like yeah, it was a joiner, a table saw, a planer. Um, I think that was it. Those three, those three machines. Uh, and so I, you know, my mom had told some friends that designers that we were, that we were doing stuff. I said, well, I can make that. And they would, you know, pay me a little money to do that. And I very quickly realized you can't really make money building furniture. Um, but I, but I learned a lot doing that. And I would go into my teachers at, at, at the, one of my first year instructor was a guy named Dennis Semperbond, master craftsman. I mean, he's unbelievable craftsman. And my the second year teacher was a guy named Robert Adam, who was a really great preservation mind. Um, but I would go in and I had to make a cabriole leg, like a French leg for a uh, for a table. This someone had commissioned, and I would I kind of go into Dennis and I go, say someone's building a. You know, <laughs> leg that, you know, needs to be like this. How would one do that? <laughs> and so it was, it was incredible learning place because he goes like, Hmm, just kind of have a project where you might need that. And so he goes, here's what you do. And he would pull a book off the shelf or he'd say, this is what you need to do. And don't forget to do this and do the, you know? And so, I mean, you couldn't have been around a, a better place to learn. And I think I've maybe told this story before, but I, but I was asking him about, cause 
in the preservation program, it was downstairs in the building that was that was there at the time. And we would go upstairs to the furniture program. And the furniture, they're doing all the coolest stuff. I mean, they're doing inlays. They're doing the joinery. The joinery. They just it's just sexy. And and I said to Dennis, man, I, I, go, uh, I was saying to Dennis, I'm man, that's, they do such awesome stuff. And I kind of saw him roll his eyes. And I was like, wait, why did you roll your <laughs> eyes to that? He goes, none of those guys are going to do that when they finish. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, look, they've got two years to build three pieces of furniture. I go, you know, do the math. How much are they going to have to charge for that piece of furniture to, in order to do that? He Holy goes, he goes, cow. you can't make a living doing that. They're, they're going to end up working in cabinet shops. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh. <laughs> gonna... and I go, well, wait a minute. I go, none of them are going to make it? He goes, I'll let you know. I was like, what do you mean you'll let me know? He goes, when someone comes through that's going to make it as a furniture maker, I'll let you know. So I was like, and literally. Did he let you know? No. It, well, <laughs> yes, he did. But it was like a year and a half later. It was and like, he, knew, he knew he was like, Tim, he goes, Tim he goes, Burton's got it. He goes, I've got one. Wow. And I was, like, I was like, you've got one what? I didn't even remember, remember asking, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. asking that question. He goes, I've got one that's going to make it. And then we went upstairs and there was a guy making a... A French Bombay chest, that's kind of bulb chest mm -hmm. with cabriola legs, all with laid on um, uh, walnut, end grain walnut veneers, burled walnut veneers. Make that in English for me. A very complicated veneer that needed to be, you know, it's an like end grain swirly. means, yeah, it's swirly because it's burled. It's end grain because they're, they're cutting off the piece of it, which means it's brittle and hard to work with. It was, it, you know, it's a Bombay chest, so everything's curved. It makes it even harder. Even harder. And so, um, and basically that guy, you know, he made his own hardware, right? He cast his own hardware. Wow. And, 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 and Dennis goes, you know, and that, that piece was on the back of Fine Woodworking Magazine like a year later. Oh, wow. And, and it, was, it was like one of these masterpieces. And he goes, that guy's going to make it. And I was like, well, what is he going to do? Is he gonna, he's going to go to New York and he's going to set up a, he's going to set up a studio and he's going to do high end custom pieces. Wow. Just and commission was, only. And just commission yeah. only. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not a great technician. I mean, I'm not a guy who can has the patience to lay all that out. I'm a big visionary guy. Hey, this is where we need to go. What I would do is I was building furniture, but I'd also, I went and worked for companies. And so I, I if you said, I work for North, I go to North Bennett Street, it opens all kinds of doors. And so in North Bennett Street proper, they have a, a admissions office or a, uh, the, the office where you can go get jobs. And basically there's a job board. Hey, we're hiring. Hey, we need this. Hey, we're doing this. So literally you call them and say, I'm going to North Bennett Street. They go, yeah, come on. I mean, it's, it's just that, you know, wow. you, you know what you're doing. Come on, we'll hire you. And so I worked for two different, uh, uh, furniture shops doing stuff, um, just helping them build stuff and helping do things. And so, mm -hmm. you know, saw some bigger production shops, how they were working, co-ops, all these different kinds of stuff, um, but ended up doing most of the work for myself. Um, but you also have four months in between semesters. So you, they intend you to go do a real long apprenticeship uh, between or an internship between semesters. And, and guys were going to historic museum villages. They were working on really cool historic projects. And, you know, so the, the experience that you got there was working on things that just no one else did. So you're mm -hmm. a big history guy. I think you're kind of known as that now. Yeah. Did you have that 
before you went to North Ministry, or did you learn that appreciation while you were there, or a little bit of both? It's a little both. Because I was a history and English major in college, I always liked history. In fact, I remember being at St. Mark's um, in like, you know, 10th grade history class, and I got like a D on a test or something, or a C, and I thought I'd done well. Maybe I got a C and I thought I got an A, and I was like, you know what, I don't really care. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't care that I did bad in the grade because I like history and I learned a lot. Yeah. You know, so um, anyway, the I, so I've always been a history thing. The beautiful thing about it, the thing I like is that it's taken the history piece and applied a kind of an insight through the construction lens mm-hmm. of how things were made that gives you an extra view into history that I hadn't learned in books. Yeah. And so you, you, you're like the, like I still marvel at William Buckland and Samuel McIntyre and the things that they were doing with the tools that they had and the, and the materials and, and how they ran their businesses. Uh, and so it gives you an extra piece, an extra insight into mm-hmm. it that I find fascinating. Did you know about them prior to the school or that was there so too? There's guys you hear about there. Asher Benjamin is certainly one of them. Um, I haven't I, heard about that guy much. <laughs> the the uh, yeah, you guys hear about him because of because of me. But but so the school is set up as seventy percent you know hands on, thirty percent theory. So you are going around and looking at historic buildings, and you are you know saying this is an Asher Benjamin building, and it is da, 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 da. and you go well, who's Asher Benjamin? Well, he was a master builder, and, and so you like hear these names and hear this stuff. Um, but I've done much more deeper research into those who those guys are. Uh, but we heard names like Ithiel Town, uh, who worked with Asher Benjamin, and and so you would hear names Thomas Chippendale, you know, the furniture maker. They you'd hear these names, and all of a sudden there was this because everything you're doing there in North Benicia, either in the furniture program or in our program, you're you're building stuff from the past, and so you have to be familiar with those names and those people and those methods and Georgian versus federal. The first, the first book they gave us, they gave us about three books, one on carpentry, one on, but one of the building books they gave us was the field guides to American houses, which is the Virginia McAllister's book, um, which basically lays out every house style. And they were just like, read this, you need to know this. Mm. And so you're, you read about Victorian and you'll, you're looking at these pictures and examples of these houses you know, compared to what you're seeing. And so one of the to- stories I tell in my book, um, Thomas House, is uh, going in, fr- standing in front of a house and, and my instructor went, how old is it? Mm-hmm. And, and you're sitting there looking at it and no clue. Like, I have no idea how old it is. And you see, you know, asbestos siding and you go, well, maybe it's from the 30s. And he goes, he goes, he pulls it off. He goes, nope, that's over top of, the 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 aluminum and you're like and and or i guess wouldn't be aluminum but over top of something and he goes then pulls it that back and goes there's the original siding and so that means this house is this old and so anyway beginning to that time sleuthing that i like to do where you look at it and and you start realizing how old it is by the technology right the the glass is is look at circular wavy glass that means it's uh crown glass and that means that's gosh this might be you know 1730 and so anyway and then the instructor going no that's actually a red herring that must have come from another house because this house anyway that's the history piece I you're really basically like an that investigator you totally you are and yeah. when you said you like to tinker around you cut the tops off cars and welded stuff and fixed up that truck and stuff but when you go there 
how much of that are they teaching you? Like the hands-on, are you expected like, to, like if I go there, they're going to be like, well, here's what you need to do. Or a new person goes there. No, they, it's, 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 you learn all that. I mean, you, you learn, uh, how to, you know, well, the first thing you do is you get old hand planes, you know, like, like this or like that Stanley. And, um, uh, you get it. He goes, he goes, here are the parts, you know, there's the, the, the shoe, there's the, the sole, there's the handle, there's the you know, frog, there's the, all the different parts and pieces. And you go, you know, and here's, here's, here's the planes and they'll pull out you know, eight, eight different sizes. This is the number one. That's the number two. This is the number eight. This is for joining. This is for cleaning up. This is for, and so you are learning that stuff. Then they, then they send you to a, uh, antique museum, uh, flea market. And they say, go, go buy some tools. We're going to fix those tools up and we're going to get them working That's again. Cool. And so they go, this is how you hand plane. This is how you sharpen your, your knife. I mean, I remember we spent probably a month or two learning how to sharpen things. And so, whetstone, with a you know with hollow, a what? uh, hollow whetstone, oh, hollow, yeah. hollow grind, and then a, a stone, and then you know a strapping, and anyway, so uh, you absolutely learn how to do it and how to build everything with your hands. They 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 they're showing you saws. They're pulling out. You know, this is a dovetail saw. This is a back saw. This is a you know crosscut saw. This is a rip saw. This this is the teeth. Look at the teeth. Look at this. The teeth are still being used on a circular saw today. I mean, just they you, you get into it. So, so you could go there as a new, and they'll show, totally. start totally. you from the ground. So there was, you know, there was probably, I guess there was it's class of twelve to thirteen, and we had eight guys, four girls, probably four of them. One guy didn't know very much, and then three of the girls didn't had didn't have experience, mm -hmm. and so they were you know, newbies and, yeah. uh, and learning. And, and that was great. It was great. Yeah. It's almost better because then you're just learning the right way immediately. <laughs> well, too. you're not, you're also not intimidated that, you know, I'm going to ask a dumb question, you know, mm -hmm. th there really aren't any dumb yeah, questions. It's, it's just so like, I gotta you, know. Yeah. You just, yeah. And so you're just, you know, figuring stuff out. And so, um, so from there you go through there, you graduate and then you come back to Texas. Is that the next step? Yep. So Chrissy, uh, my wife was, uh, um, was a speech pathologist and so she's she got her master's in speech pathology and literally when you get out of north bennett street they, they are you know most the guys either went to or the people either went to a museum village to work um they went to work for a contractor because the same thing that i was telling you is with the with the uh trim shops and the mill shops same thing with the contractor you went to north bennett street you got a job. Mm -hmm. And so no one didn't get a job if they didn't want one because, you know, as long as people were hiring. Um, it's like you, the Navy SEALs of craftsmen. It really was. It was just <laughs> you, you, you had a job. And so, um, you know, remember, I'm now a journeyman, right? I've just got finished my apprentice. I really don't know that much. Um, and so I'm going to, you know, go and do um, – I'm just going to be a trim carpenter for somebody. Mm -hmm. So the deal was is like, Chrissy, I can work anywhere – you know, let's go where you get a job and, you know, I'll just, you know, set up shop and go work for somebody while I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And so, um, we came, we came back to Dallas. She went to an internet, a national show and there was no jobs that she wanted to go work in California or anything. And so we ended up back in Texas and it was either Dallas or Fort Worth. I was from Dallas. She was from Fort Worth. And so we just prayed about it. It was just like, you know, whichever, wherever you get a job, that's where I'm going to go. And so we ended up in Fort Worth. And so uh, she got a job with uh, Child Study Center, which is now in my cooks. And um, 
And so I started in my brother's garage. We didn't even have a house. And so my brother had a 1920s bungalow with a two-car garage in the back, detached garage with, you know, sliding, you know, barn-style doors. And so I, I set up my shop in that garage and, uh, and you know, just basically had my calling card out. Just I, I had networked with preservation people um, who had never heard of North Bennett Street and anybody do I could call the Texas Historical Commission and I said is there anybody in this state that does woodworking you know millwork in historic properties well weird yeah there's one guy in Midlothian a uh, guy named Tom Clark give Tom a call oh that's the Leeds Clark yeah. guy you were yeah and so Tom ended up being a uh, just this huge this great resource for me took me under his wing just said yeah we can help you out in fact he's the one that talked me into not going to work for somebody else and going to just he goes can you know how to build doors i was like yeah uh i built like one door right and yeah. so <laughs> but i but i knew how to do it in right? content yeah. yeah and so exactly <laughs> and so i'm sure i could build more than one um <laughs> and so he uh, he goes. I just got this great fine depot. I need about seven doors for this thing. Oh, this and door. that's that's the story. That's the <laughs> yeah. start of that story. So, so that was your second door that you'd ever built. So that redeems it. It was my second door. Is is actually my first. Yeah, first yeah, stave core door. Yeah. So and that one stave core. Solid core. So um, he's like, we're not getting into that. We're not going there. <laughs> so yellow. Pen. Anyway, so so uh, you start on your own. Yeah. So I just so I started <laughs> handing out cards. Started trying to network, and you know. I was the reason why I have two businesses today, Hull Homes and Hull Millwork, was because I was just trying to do whatever I could do, and both finally grew up and kind of got out on their own. Mm -hmm. It was Hull Historical, which was both companies for a long time, and then ten years ago or fifteen years ago, we split it to Hull Millwork and Hull Homes. So, but so I was remodeling. I was doing handyman work. There's builders in town that I did their trim carpentry. Um, and at the same time, the preservation and through Tom Clark was leading me to jobs and to do stuff out there that was that was leading to opportunities, started hiring my first people to help me out um, and, you know, bought this building uh, about three and a half years after I started. Um, so it took everything that you had and reinvested it into this. Correct. Yeah. And so um, and I didn't I couldn't I didn't this is 8,000 feet here. I needed, you know, 2000. So yeah. I was on that side and I leased out this side to a lady who was importing furniture from Mexico. And, um, so I, I, anyway, I, she had people coming in, but I was working on the other side for five years before we slowly started taking over this space. And then we were manufacturing in here until like five or six years ago. We found that other shop down South. So come a long way from your brother's garage. It seems to me from the outside looking into the the theme of your career is like doing things right. Historical, just crafted well. That probably, I mean, the North Benistry School probably plays into that. I mean, that's probably the biggest yeah, thing, right? Yeah, one of the things that, that, um, that happened there um, is because you were talking about things from people from the past, you were thinking about what greatness is okay and you were you were you know why were they so good you you look at the houses that they built and you're just like oh my gosh this is incredible mm -hmm. and so it established a standard in your mind of, of like well that's excellence you know mm -hmm. and and I, you would sit around and you'd practice joints and you'd practice planing and 
there was some com- competition of, you know, who could make their, you know, uh, workbench, you know, the cleanest with the, with, and, and what kind of shaving could you come off with your hand plane and things like that. And so there was a, uh, certainly a expectation of excellence that North Bennett Street established that, um, you carried know, just, into the yeah, rest of your career. Yeah. I remember, I remember early on, um, we were standing around, we were probably in, in the class, you know, three weeks and uh, one of the guys said, you know, they were talking about joints. We're looking at something. And the guy goes, one of the students said, putty and paint, make us what we ain't. Yeah. And and the instructor <laughs> slapped him. I mean, just about the look on his face was like, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. And, and everybody's like, Ooh. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, yes, Dude. sir. Yes, sir. And, Do and your best cock the rest. Yeah. So it's like. We don't use cock, okay? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. So, you know, it established a standard that you're like, okay, yeah, that's not acceptable. You know, this is. So and- my YouTube short wouldn't be acceptable? <laughs> yeah. They'd get expelled from the school with that one? <laughs> yes, exactly. Four-inch so, gap in between. Yeah. Four- <laughs> <laughs> just pumping it in there with a freaking concrete the truck. In. <laughs> so it, it did. And, and, and one of the things that's hard, and, and I've tried to explain this to people as they talk about, you know, our work. Well, you know, how do you get to your level? How do you, you know, how do you do that? And um, it's a little bit, uh, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it can be a very scary, lonely road chasing after that ideal and perfection. Man, that's a good word. If you build it, they will come. That could be like a, from a movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just made it up. No. Is that a movie? Is there, is there a movie? Oh. Um, it's talking in about other houses. words, it, in other <laughs> words, if you set if you set this example of sounds like a football movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. If you if you build a uh, expectation for your for your team for yourself for the work that you're going to do that we're going to we're going to attain this. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, there was a lot of years I didn't make money. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of years. I remember where, you talking about that. Where, where I, where I struggled mightily trying to, you know, do what's right, but, but, you know, it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, I remember there was a guy down the street. We did a house where it ended up being a bad guy, and we did all this this millwork for him, and um, it didn't. Co- the windows that we built didn't come out right for some reason. <laughs> And it literally required me to have a guy there for about four months, uh, you know, totally on my dime, just fixing this thing. It was a lot of work mm-hmm. going back to the mill, doing all this stuff, it, you know, just to make it right. And that hits you hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, I mean, um, and so it pays off now. You look at it. Well, now, yeah, that was a great decision. Well, no, it wasn't. It was a hard decision. It was it was it was. Um, but it was just it was establishing a standard, and now our clients will say, you know, well, if Hull's doing it, you know, that's that, you know, yeah, you you've got the best out there. Yeah. Well, how do you get to there? Mm-hmm. Well, you you it's a lot of you know, uh, fixing things at your cost mm-hmm. in order to make it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easier to do now than it was when I didn't have any money. Right. Um, and couldn't afford it. Or you're out there doing it yourself, do, trying do, to run a business. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 
And that's what that, that story about rebuilding those doors and, you know, and where I'd done it so wrong. Um, mm-hmm. cause that was only me. Right. And yeah. then, you know, I'm that's going back crazy. to the shop. And I can't imagine waking up at four in the morning to try to just build more hours into the day. Mm-hmm. So you just can get more done. Well, I was thinking when Jackson brought that up, you should make your sign that you put in the yards now. Whole homes, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. But that would be Maybe funny. that should be your sign. <laughs> yeah, I need. I I want to change you need, my you name. Need, you need to brand your you brand yourself because you got. When two, are you going to rename his his email? Well, I shouldn't say your email. But <laughs> you, got, you got your email, then you've got finished carpentry TV, and it really. Would you I just call I'd, it Finish I would, I would TV? rather you not be known for your YouTube stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, it's DFW Crown Molding, but I don't even like that name. I really don't. Because it's like, what? What? You know, you just do yeah. Crown Molding? Mm-hmm. Like, do y'all, they, I have people call me and they're like, y'all do baseboards too? <laughs> like, yeah. No, no, no. Those no, are just Crown. Can't Sorry, you read? Yeah. <laughs> Can't you read? Uh, That's a cool journey though. Like I always want to know that. Like I just, I just feel like this episode was my idea, by the way. Yeah, it was. You know, I wanted to, I, I wanted to know, and I'm sure other people wanted to know. Like, how does someone that's at your point where you are get there? You know. So um, I've got a question. Um, what was your highest high, and then what was your lowest low in the process of getting to where you are today? There's been a number of lows. Uh, I want the lowest. <laughs> <laughs> I want the worst, most embarrassing one. Um, and uh, you don't need to like fully just no, you know, I mean, uh, tell no, your sob details. story. But <laughs> <laughs> we need names. No. Um, I had a partner um, who, when he left me, I, ha- I owed the IRS $300,000. That's um, low. That's a low, low. <laughs> and I, had, I sold my house. I went, my banker basically said, you need to come up with about a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars, or I can't, I can't bank you anymore. And um, I, uh, we sold our house, and so um, and took all that money that we had made fixing up that house and gave it to the bank, so we didn't go out of business. Mm-hmm. And then we were, you know, basically didn't have a house for, um, so we probably sold that in like April or May. Um, and my parents have a lake house up in Canada because they're from Canada. And so, um, my wife was going to take the kids and go up to Canada for the summer. So we'd have a place to live. And, um, I was, uh, just gypsying around trying to, we didn't have anywhere to live. I don't think we're living with her parents. And, um, the, uh, um, over the, through the summer, I ended up saving about $10,000 and, uh, and I, uh, that we've, we, we were like, school's about to start. We're, we need to find a home. And so I, we were looking for a house. And, uh, I said, that we basically went to the thing. It was about a hundred, it's right at a hundred thousand dollars or something. But remember those, uh, um, the loans that that caused the the, yeah. the breakdown where <laughs> subprime mortgage loans, yeah, mortgage-backed securities stuff. Yeah, but you basically have a, a no verified income loan, and so uh, <laughs> basically, which is crazy, but that got us our house because my my friends who mortgage banker I went to college with, he basically said, 
what's your income? And I was like, man, <laughs> you know, it's, it's week to week. And he goes, well, can I say that it's, you know, 150 <laughs> grand? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, we weren't. Because theoretically, aligned, on whatever week ha- it could have been. I had no pay stub, yeah. Yeah. right? Because it was I'm self-employed, so I'm not writing myself a check, so I have no pay stub. And they want two years of history. Right, yeah. and, so, and so I didn't have anything. So Or they do now. I don't know. Yeah, Back they then, know. they did And I needed, I needed $15,000 or $12,000 as a down payment, and I just barely had it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then so we started over from there. But that was, that was, that was bad because I, I didn't pay off all that IRS debt for my – you know, three more years, four more yeah. years. It stayed with me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's your that lowest was, low. That, that was pretty low. It's a good low. That low. is a yeah. I mean, that's life struggle right there. Yeah. yeah. So and so, then what's your highest high? This is all the today, talk. right now. Yeah. This this I podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, I I've, well, because I'm just thinking about the guy out there, right, who is struggling check to check, trying to figure it out What's and his to look at, yeah, to look at like, Hey, it's doable. You know, like you can take, you be in a crappy situation and come back. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think that, uh, things are building on themselves. I continue to learn a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're, we're at a position right now, probably comes across in our videos that like, like people say to me, no one does that work. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're, you're in la la land. And so and you're doing it and you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think we're in a very enviable position right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very thankful for the work that we have and the clients that we have that they trust us to do stuff and mm-hmm. that they call us and say, um, make my dreams come. Yeah. Through. Just, Hey, uh, we're not talking to anybody else. We just need you to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, these are good times, right? These are, these are, I've got a team of people that are very talented and, um, you know, uh, we have, you know, I, I look forward to tomorrow, but I don't necessarily say this is a high, but it, but it, it's 30 years of hard work that, yeah. that is, that is, you know, paying off. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to, to, to do the, to educate and to train, I'm, edu- I'm able to share what I know. And so mm-hmm. that's really rewarding. And, you know, YouTube and, you know, Instagram, uh, direct messages and things like that, where people will just write and say, hey, this really helped, or thank you for doing this. You know, that guy that did the post for the Passion for Craft, you mm-hmm. know, Juan, is it, yeah. Yeah, Juan, just like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is, this is good. From the outside looking in, I feel like one high would be like when you, like you did that house you did a video on it took five years to build this house whenever that's done and you hand them the keys and you're like and you stand back and look at it that's got to be a high you know those you know um the they, they're great they're they're, they're great there's parts though in that house that there are times that are more high for me when uh we're able to accomplish or when we started installing that library in that in that room Mm -hmm. when that library was finished i was pretty pumped right Mm -hmm. you're just like wow right this from the from the early sketches to the final completion being in the shop seeing how it's going together working through the challenges of how that was going to be built Mm -hmm. and then installing it and seeing the finish and everything else those are highs i was telling jackson uh when i was picking him up from the airport you're getting to do your white house we're getting to do my white house you know if the White House in America is the the most important house to restore, um, you know, in Texas or in Dallas Fort Worth, for me, um, it's uh, 
is the Thistle Hill. Yeah. And so, you know, Thistle Hill was a house that um, was always looked at as just being this crown jewel. And it is. It was a crown jewel from the early 1900s when it was built for the wealthiest family and the, you know, the nicest stuff. And we're getting to restore that. And so that's one of those things where like, dang, this is this is really exciting to be able to work on that. It's cool. Um, it's a it's a yeah, for me, just because it's been so important locally and something that I've always looked at as being this is such a great house. Mm -hmm. So more highs <laughs> to come. More highs to come. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Brent um thanks for being our guest thanks for being a guest <laughs> on the podcast we have loved having you this week and maybe you can come back sometime well thank no really well, thanks for letting, about it but letting me dig into that a little bit i've always been sure. curious of your journey so i appreciate it awesome well hey brent thanks for being a guest on the podcast Happy we to be here. we really needed to uh to get a good guest after all these terrible ones i'm just kidding uh no but thank you for coming on um we'll, we'll have you back maybe uh if you're nice enough and views do well so we'll see, we'll see what happens but thanks for listening um, once again if if you're not a member uh, of our patreon we'd love you to join in uh, join in the conversation on our discord and um, yeah get premium access to some of these cool uh, Brent's library and then Richard's practical applications of some of those things that we're learning uh, it's really really fun so uh, see you there mm -hmm.